This is the Carpe Diem Gamecast interview series. Joining us today, Chris Birch. Hello there. Thank you for joining me. This is Dan with the Carpe Diem Gamecast. You're listening to episode two of our interview series, where we discuss social event gaming and geek culture with those who help to create it. I was able to sit down live via satellite with Chris Birch of Modifius and discuss his new project, uh, Octum Cthulhu, and some upcoming projects that he's got going on, and then basically pick his brain a little bit about the gaming world. So, with that being said, here's my conversation with Chris Birch of Modifius. And thank you for joining us. This is the Carpe Diem Gamecast Interview Edition. I'm Dan Worrell, and I've got uh, on the mic with me today Chris Birch from Modifius. Hello. Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, my pleasure. Thanks uh, for giving us time. For those of us who don't know your name or where you're from, can you give us a little background? You know, what's stamped on the back of your geek card? Where, where have you been? What have you been doing? For people who, who would know me, it's um, doing writing Starblazer Adventures for Fate and Legends of Anglaire, uh with Sarah Newton. Um, so that was, that was the two big sort of sci-fi and fantasy role-playing game books based on the, on the fate system. And, um, otherwise I, I got a t-shirt range called Joystick Junkies, which is the, um, that's been the J job. And, uh, that's, um, been my kind of last 12 years, uh, doing kind of cool, funky t-shirts with video game graphics on. Very neat. Now, uh, Star Blazer Adventures, that was the, um, space opera... Kind yeah, of, yeah, that epic six hundred page. Yeah, I was going to say huge, huge yeah. book. Yeah, I think it was actually the biggest role playing game book in print at the time. <laughs> but you know, it, it came about because I, I had a time away from games, and the last time I used to go around game shops, it you know, and I used to, I bought so many role playing games, and like we all do, and then never play them. They're still on your shelf. I love reading them and seeing what they did with the rules and stuff. And it just annoyed me that you'd, so many times you'd buy these books and then you'd find out that you still need the starship rules and then you, and then that you still need the campaign rules and that you still need, and you ended up having to buy like 10 books, which is ridiculous. So I right. thought, well, I'm just going to put it all in one book and then you don't have to buy anything else. Well, of course we still brought out <laughs> a setting, but, um, the whole idea was, literally this book has everything in it. It's a massive toolkit and you don't need to use all of it. Um, actually the, the rules are really quite simple, but we just added on stuff to be able to play spaceships, to be able to play organizations and empires and fight little tiny puny fighters against enormous galactic scale monsters. So it's the idea was, you know, why couldn't you have everything in one book? But of course everyone complained that it was too big. So right. we should lots of books and made more money out of them. <laughs> but they'll, but, uh, they'll complain about that as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I won't do it again. Um, I, I, funnily enough, I nearly used the PDQ system because I love that system as well. Right. And, uh, so it probably would have been the smallest sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> but glad we did it. It was a great experience. Um, it was painful in the extreme. It took about three years. And um, 
I was tearing my hair out. You know, I think I burnt out after it. And then I kind of crawled back from the precipice and did Legends of Anglaire and that kind of uh, nearly burnt me out again. But it's, you know, I think people don't realise how much work goes into these books. And, um, you know, it's a, a lot, a lot of time to uh, write all that material. And we had the, the ability to start with Spirit of the Century, the pulp fake game. Right. That, as kind of core text and then kind of to space operaize it. Um, and we, you know, we still had to write another 300,000 words from scratch and edit most of the, um, spirit of the century rules, you know, to, to fit in line to get rid of all the pulp references and change it, you know. So it was an epic, epic space opera adventure of my own. And, um, but yeah, it's great. And those were released. Both of those are for the fate system, right? Yeah. Okay. What games do you play now? You said you were burnt out on writing. <laughs> what are you What are you doing for fun? Uh, well, I, I mean, l- luckily I'm back writing with Avengers, and um, so we're actually role playing. We were role playing Warhammer Fantasy role play last year. We did a big campaign, okay, and that's kind of led into some other kind of writing ideas. We do a lot of board games, so we've been playing Defenders of the Realm. Uh, is a big favorite with our gaming group. What we try and do is we do role playing about three nights, uh, of the month, three Wednesdays, and we, we do one night of the month where it's, you know, we just play a co-op board game or, or something new that one of the ones, someone's bought. And just make it a, you know, it's a more fun, relaxed night. And, uh, but we've been doing our new expeditions role playing game. Um, that's, we've been playtesting a lot with our group and I'm reading, I've got a nice collection of Hollow Earth, which I'm keen to play, which nice. is like beautifully written and, and illustrated and produced game. Just got to love all those neat dice and counters. And, um, I've just picked up a vintage copy of Feng Shui, which, uh, is a great old game, which I fancy having a go at. And I'm also a miniatures gamer, so I, we play Flames of War. <laughs> well, that's that's pretty well-rounded. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's good to have a bit of variety, I think. I, w- I was going to say, now, that with that eclectic of taste in gaming, uh, you can draw from a lot of that in your writing, right? Yeah. A lot of the mechanics and the feelings and, and the way the way games work. That's right, and I've... I've pretty much read most of the um, old school systems that were around a few years ago. When I when I started working on Fate, I was researching. I actually researched all the kind of new indie games. I was downloading every new kind of free uh, sort of intro to different game systems, just checking out you know where things were, and you know really got my head around about what you know what were the new systems. And, and now with our new venture, Modifius. You know, we really looked at what were the kind of popular systems to sell some products around. All right. Well, tell me about Modifius. Well, Modifius started life. My co-writer on Starblazer is an old gaming friend of mine called Stuart Newman. And he's one of those guys we used to sit up till six in the morning eating pizza and, and well, probably very cool, cold pizza by then and Diet Coke. Uh, just kind of coming up with cool gaming ideas and worlds and you know, the times we would develop a whole new science fiction setting, you know, from midnight till six in the morning. I <laughs> uh, couldn't count on a hand, let alone, you know. So um, he was an old-time kind of gaming collaborator, and we developed this first game called Blaster Array, which was a role-playing game, and 
a miniature system. And I remember giving it to Mike Pondsmith of Talsorian Games when I met him once. Okay. And he gave me that, like, oh, no, another... Not another... Another hopeful game. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he was very nice about it and uh, gave us some good advice. But that was, you know, one of our first sort of attempts at creating something. And, you know, after Starblazer... You know, we, we got to actually work on a serious game system and, um, you know, a lot of our ideas went into that. But Blast Array was set in this uh, solar system called Modiphius that was this, in this constant state of change, all these sort of planets moving around. Okay. Modiphius was just this cool name that we had that came out of the word modified. And I just liked the idea. Uh, and But actually taken on a new meaning because I love Greek mythology and I just have this idea of this really old hero, really kind of beardy Greek guy sitting on the steps of this ruined temple with his backed up spear and his knackered old shield and all the kids are gathered around listening to all these like amazing stories of him traveling around the world having adventures. So kind of in a way, Odysseus is this sort of a, a means for us to bring other people's dreams and adventures and worlds to the gaming community and help them share it. So. Well, that's a really cool sentiment. Um, the idea of the, the old warrior sitting on the steps telling stories, uh, it's kind of what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, instead of a warrior, you're, you're, you're an old school gamer and you're, you're still telling stories. We're all, you know, we're all warriors in our, you know, we're all adventurers <laughs> in our gaming imaginations. And right. so it's that kind of, Having had all those adventures through different games and, and uh, playing and creating, it's great to be able to, you know, I'm finding other young creators like me, you know, five, ten years ago with great ideas and helping them bring their worlds to life and, and get them out into the public and, and give, give them great artwork and great production values as well as, as, well as you know, more of my mad ideas that are floating around. Right. So, your first product from Modiphius is the Octoon Cthulhu. Yeah. The Zero Point Campaign. This is uh, Adventure 1, the Three Kings that you have released recently. That's right. I've got the blurb here. Let me read it for the listeners. Join a band of heroic soldiers, agents, and partisans behind enemy lines in the eve of World War II as they discover the unspeakable horrors of Castle Karlstein in occupied Czechoslovakia. Now, this adventure uses World War II Czechoslovakia mixed with the Cthulhu mythos. That's right. That sounds amazing. <laughs> well, I'm amazed no one's done it before, really. I, but I, after um, I saw your press release, I was amazed no one had done it before, too. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm, I mean, I, when we were playing Flames of War, we got a whole bunch of friends who um, got together to play it, and we always used to think, oh, wouldn't it be cool to add zombies into this game? And um, and then we started thinking, wouldn't it be cool to add monsters? And we never did, but um, it, that got me thinking about it. And I was working with Sarah Newton on Legends of Anglaire, and we kind of bounced around, wouldn't it be cool to do a fate World War II game? And it was one of those... Okay, that's great, but you know we've really got to finish Legends of Anglaire before we talk about it. <laughs> so otherwise, we will get distracted. You get the new shiny syndrome. Yeah. So um, that you know that was kind of in the background, and then I was setting up Modiphius and working on some ideas, and, and uh, Sarah came to me with her zero point campaign, 
and I'd been looking at doing some stuff with Call of Cthulhu and um, and the idea of a sort of wartime setting. And she had this whole campaign that she was working on, and that gave me the sort of impetus to go, right, you know, let's make this happen. She had episode one pretty much nailed. And it's quickly grown in into the Actung Cthulhu brand. I mean, her, her campaign was called Zero Point that was looking for a home. And so we, we thought, you know what, this is going to be perfect because we can actually create several campaigns. So we've got Zero Point, which is her campaign she's writing, which is coming out in several episodes. We've got Shadows of Atlantis, which is another campaign um, based on the Nazis' obsession with Atlantis. Okay. Uh, particularly a group, you know, there's always um, Black Sun, the kind of Nazi myth mythos specialists that keep popping up in comic books and movies. Right. And so we've got this other group, Nacht Wolfen, who are the Night Wolves, and they are obsessed with ancient technology. And uh, we've got this whole campaign that is linked with Atlantis and uh, Hitler's obsession with finding this ancient city, which is very real. I mean, they were looking for it to prove that it was all all beautiful white people who um, set up Atlantis, and therefore that's why they're amazing, and uh, a lot of the bad stuff he was doing. But we've got that, you know, they're, they're obsessed with the ancient technology that the Atlanteans had. And so we've got this whole campaign that's, um, we've got the first two episodes kind of pretty much nailed. Um, so they're going to start coming out soon. And then the third campaign, which um, everyone's going to love, is uh, Assault on the Mountains of Madness, so which it's a return to Lovecraft's Antarctica. And that is going to be a very well-prepared Nazi expedition racing off to Antarctic to explore the Elder City and, um, and a, a very hastily prepared Allied expedition because isn't it always... Um, made up of all kinds of characters who Rag are going to be tag band. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that could be all kinds of stuff from pitch battles to um, ruin crawling adventures. And we're going to really, that's going to be an enormous campaign. I mean, it's, we're, we're taking the original idea of this, you know, this ruined city and the tunnels and, uh, and just expanding on it because it's a gigantic continent. There's so much room for adventure there. So we've got those three cool campaigns, as well as lots of little other releases around it. There's a a that lets you play a whole company of soldiers, a bit like you know the um, Marines that turn up with the professor at the start of Hellboy. Right. So kind of imagine what if there was this U.S. Marine company that, for whatever reason, they come face to face with some mythos and. Everyone else runs except them. And for whatever reason, they become the guys that the brass go, Oh God, send easy company. You know what that, you know what I mean? So it's basically they become the guys that get thrown in anytime there's something odd happening. <laughs> it doesn't mean they've got loads of, you know, super equipment. It just means this, you know, they're, they're going to have some cool specialists. They're going to have odd, weird inventions that the British keep turning up or the, American professors keep devising. But unlike the Nazis who are super well-equipped and super advanced, these guys are just going to have the true grit, you know, true American spirit driving forward, fighting the mythos. And you're going to get a little section, so half a squad at the beginning of the campaign, and you're going to progress through leading a, a, a squad, a platoon, and finally the company facing just incredible battles, as well as the kind of typical 
um, you know, uh, sort of one-to-one adventuring. So that that's a really fun supplement we've got being developed, and it's going to tie in with the Savage Worlds showdown rules. Um, and we're also looking at an, uh, potentially another sort of um, skirmish combat system for it as well. Now, your Octum Cthulhu project, that is um, released for Savage Worlds using the Realms of Cthulhu? Supplement. Supplement, yeah. And also for Call of Cthulhu. Okay. But we're also currently doing a Trail of Cthulhu. Okay. And a PDQ version, because I love that game so much, and I wanted to try it with World War II gangster Nazis. Right. So, um, yeah, so we're, we're kind of hitting the three big pulp slash Cthulhu investigative rule systems and throwing in PDQ is a, just a great fun. And it's going to be a standalone book with the rules. Very system. neat. You hit, uh, horror rules and sanity rules. Uh, and that's actually written and it's just waiting to go into layout at the moment. So we're hoping to get that out for the autumn. Uh, in print and in PDF. So, so all the big releases will have um, certainly uh, Savage Worlds, Call of Cthulhu, and Trail of Cthulhu versions released for them because we wanted to appeal to the widest audience possible. Because not everyone likes Call of Cthulhu, not everyone likes Savage Worlds, and so on. So you've got to you can't just assume that everyone's going to buy your game using the using the rule system you picked. So I, I figured. You know, let's you know you can't do every feral system. Get a bit stupid, but let's at least pick the big popular ones. Because once you've written the adventure, it's not a huge amount of work to change the stats. Right. Hulu needs a bit more thought because it's slightly different structure. But you know, you're not rewriting a whole new book. So um, yeah, so we you know we've got a lot of variety. Now, I, I read in your blurbs that uh, you've also got. A gaming system of your own that you're working with called Expeditions, and uh, it's billed um, under the entry that I saw about it's billed as being geared to bring new people into the hobby. Yeah, um, it's we've not created anything that hasn't been done before. We're not we're not promising this amazing new system that is going to blow your mind and change the gaming world forever. It's just some you know we've bolted together these ideas that we think make it very simple. So the idea is in expeditions that you can build your expedition. There's a meta game and then there's the role-playing game. In the meta game, build your expedition. You can run around tiles of, a, of, of like Washington, for example, hiring more expedition members and figuring out do we need more Marines or uh, crew or um, mechanics, pilots, you know, getting planes, getting boats, getting equipment, and then you go off on your expedition. So we wanted to make the actual process of creating an expedition really fun and full of adventure. The actual role-playing system is designed to be super simple, and particularly the character creation you can do in about 30 seconds because you're drawing cards. And effectively, you, draw, you choose your archetype, like whether you're, you know, whether you're a beefcake or a rebel-type character or a, a geek or, you know, someone more attuned to spiritual stuff. You then pick a couple of attributes that you might describe as fate aspects, um, cards that describe you as a character, like, you know, it's got a great left hook or um, tough as nails, and that gives you um, some dice for a dice pool. Uh, then you've got a weakness, and then 
basically pick life experiences. And it's, I love the traveler system of rolling up your characters and then dying. <laughs> <laughs> That's, um, yeah. it, particularly in the Cthulhu games of just about any kind. That's pretty much the sequence of events, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> but I like the idea of creating a character and, um, not having, you know, being able to sort of see the, the actual, the charging process, the character creation process is fun in its own right. So in, in our, in expeditions, we've rather than devised loads of lists of skills to pick from that you really don't know what they mean and whether you should have them and loads of extra abilities. And what you do is we said, look, you know, when you talk about someone, you say, okay, there's this guy, Dave, I know he's been in the army for three years. Then he, he left, he became a security guard and then he started a bar. And now he's the town man. So you know that he's probably pretty tough. He's good with guns. He's, um, he's social. He ran a bar. He's got a bit of a business head. He's good with people. And he's definitely really good with people because he became town mayor and he's got contacts in the local government. So, you know, some games will make you go through this painful process of picking up from an endless list of skills to get that. But what we've done is gone right. For a typical starting character, you pick five life experiences. You can pick from military or academic or mythos or civilian life experiences. And that, that might be a card that says, okay, you were a soldier for, or, um, we haven't defined the period, but let's say a year or, you know, you had a period as a soldier. Then you might you go, okay, I'm going to stay with soldier. Okay, you get promoted. Uh, okay, next. Oops. Okay, I was in an accident. I got shell shock, and this this affects your. This gives you extra skills and weaknesses. So basically, you can decide which decks you draw from. You get a redraw in a in a in a the deck. You have a sort of a, a chosen deck based on your character archetype that you can redraw in. And Literally, this guy came the other week. This guy's never played a role-playing game, and he picked five cards, and he got, um, I think he got a soldier, military experiment that went wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He got uh, gifted telekinesis. He got um, uh, another mystical um, sort of enhancement, uh, sort of experience, enhanced as uh, telekinesis again. So basically, he said, okay, I'm this kind of cool British Sikh with his big turban. And I've, I can see I've, okay, I've got an artifact. So that's the big gem on his turban. And I'm this really well-spoken guy who's, who's um, been, he's been part of the British colonial army and I'm taking part in this expedition. And, and like he just created the characters. He drew the cards. It was awesome. And, and we have a basic dice call system that's very easy and, um, you know, we're still working on it. We're hoping to get the first playtest, uh, kind of, um, open playtest packs out this month, late this month. And then we, we're going to be doing a, a kind of, you know, what people typically do is that sort of cheap book version that you can buy. That's the, um, doesn't really have a lot of artwork in. It's really the sort of the beta playtest, um, that will go out, um, just around Christmas time or in the, in the new year. Right. So it's, yeah. It's got this great card deck that you use. Um, you have fake cards that let you help yourself or other people, and they can chain to do really cool effects. And, and it's super simple. It's basically you get a string of, you know, you get one of each color. You get to do, like, superhero kind of awesome stuff uh, together. So it's very fun. 
in that sense. And we are building it with the Assault on the Mountains of Madness campaign in mind. So in a way, it's potentially a fifth rule system for Acton Cthulhu. But we're developing from the basic rules. So the idea is it would work for science fiction, for fantasy, pulp, in any any game or adventure where you would build an expedition and go off and uh, have adventures. Sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I'm ready and waiting for it. <laughs> and the idea is it's going to be a beautiful box set where um, we are looking, once we've done the open play testing, we're looking at doing a really cool box set through Kickstarter because uh, they're launching in Europe towards Christmas, I believe. So once they're up and running here, we're going to do this amazing, beautiful box set with all the cards and the rule book, tiles and counters and figures. It's, it's going to be like that. You know, if your dad was in the army in, in World War II and you discovered his, this dusty old, you know, box in the attic and you opened it up and there was this board game from the 1940s never ever seen in your life and it was just your, the, you know, the most amazing, cool, uh, vintage board game of World War II that you just cannot imagine had all this cool stuff in it. So we want to create that box set that just people die for, you know, very neat. Obviously, with the, the next big thing is uh, we're about to launch Heroes of the Sea, which is episode two in Acton Cthulhu. Okay, and that is Three Kings. Yeah, you've the same pre-generated characters in the back, but a bit more experienced, and it's still quite early war. Um, I don't know if you're aware of the Dunkirk evacuation, was when the British army were having to evacuate from France. This is before um, the Americans turned up and helped us uh, invade with D-Day. So the armies had steamed right through France, bypassed most of the French armies and defences, and literally were fighting this pitch battle to get as many of the soldiers back to England so we could regroup. And a famous um, event with the, you know, the whole Dunkirk evacuation was when basically anyone with a boat that could go on a river was sent to the south coast and said, basically head towards the smoke and pick up some soldiers. And they're called the Little Boats, and they, they're sort of celebrated every year at big events. And they managed to evacuate 300,000 troops um, from Dunkirk. So what you've got is this background with um, a lot of, you know, some pitch going along this ever-changing front. You know, the German armies uh, rushing forward, the brave British, there's also the French army trying to hold them off, and characters dive into this insane battleground that's being constantly bombed by Stukas that, um, you know, you've got troops, you know, trying to escape, you've got Germans attacking and the characters have got to dive in there and recover a character and then end up on this sort of mission through this insane um, sort of battleground yeah, that is just ridiculous. It's like, you know, the bullets flying everywhere and you've got to you can play it in the kind of typical Call of Cthulhu style, avoiding, you know, basically sneaking around and avoiding things, or using the Savage Worlds version, you can go very pulp and, and have lots of battle encounters. So it's it's going to be a great uh, campaign um, adventure. It's it's about 60 pages, so it's half, half again as big as Three Kings. Well, i got to tell you, the campaign settings and uh, modules that you've lined out for me today are some of the nicest, smoothest material I've seen coming out recently. Uh, I'm, I'm really pretty excited for pretty much everything I'm seeing Modiphius do, 
everything sounds really intriguing and very innovative. Great, thank you. I mean, it's, there's a lot more we've got planned. I mean, we've got a, we've got a science fiction setting development uh, for Savage Worlds, and that's tied in with a Facebook game. And um, we're also releasing um, a steampunk, very sort of simple, easy to play steampunk role playing game that someone else has been developing in um, later later in the month as well. That's they're just doing the artwork. So there's quite a lot of other stuff in development, which um, you know I, I don't want to go into too much detail because everyone promises the work, you know, the earth, and then, you know, that typical six-month wait happens before it actually comes out. Right. But, yeah, we're really, you know, we're really trying to do great products, work with really good creative people, and, um, you know, I think you're going to like what we've got coming. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about today, Chris? Uh, no, no, I think I think we've covered all the, the stuff. Like I said, here is C for Call of Cthulhu and Savage Worlds will be out later in... September, and we'll also have the trailer Cthulhu and PDQ versions of Three Kings for uh, for the first episode of um, Sarah Newton's campaign for Acton Cthulhu. Uh, they should be out also towards the end of the month. So if you're if you like World War Two, you're going to have a whole ton of stuff. My stepson is a huge World War Two buff, so I'm sure he'll be watching intently. If people want to contact you or uh, just want to watch what's going on. Where can they where can they find you? Uh, so um, at the moment we have CaptainCthulhu.com, which is just a page that tells you a bit about it and directs you to the RPGnow.com. But our Facebook where we're really talking to everyone. You can find us at Facebook.com forward slash Modifius. And then our, our main website is gonna launch in November. I'm just loading with big website full of nothing at the moment. Want to, you know, want to make sure we've got a lot of stuff to show people and great artwork. And you know, once we've got a couple more releases, there's going to be a lot of a lot of cool stuff to show. All right. Well, uh, get a get a hold of me whenever you have that thing ready, and I'll be sure yeah. to link up. Yeah. Okay, Chris. Um, at the end of every episode of uh, the Carpe Game Gamecast, we do uh, what what I call the support section. We tell everyone to support the hobby support the industry, and support your local game store. And I was wondering if you would like to support something that's not one of your own projects. Sure. Um, the people I'd like to uh, support are Orcs Nest, who are one of the oldest running games shops in London. I've known the guys there. I used to organize events. So I'd often see them at these dance parties at kind of four in the morning. Okay. They're a really nice bunch of people. And... Um, they have, you know, struggled through the years and still survived and, um, you know, through all the hard retail periods we've had. And they're a, a great shop that is uh, full of role-playing games and miniatures and board games. And um, they're right in the centre of London uh, off uh, a place called Cambridge Circus, where a lot of the theatres are. They can be found at orksnest.com. Okay, I was getting ready to say, do they have a website? We'll make sure to put a link in the show notes. That's thanks for the uh, thanks for your time. That's really good. Absolutely. With that, we'll say good night. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us, Chris. This has been the Carpe GM Gamecast interview series. I'm Dan, and on behalf of Chris Birch, have a good night.